with another episode of the JR Takes Sportscast. As always, I'm Ron Rogers, alongside Jonah Hoffman. It's been a couple weeks, but honestly, after the Raiders game, I did not feel like talking about Seahawks football, so we kind of took a week off with the Mm -hmm. holidays and everything as well. Um, But we're back, and after the performance yesterday, we are back in the playoff mix. Yeah, uh, and it's really interesting to see who we're in the race with. I did not expect the Washington Commanders to be anywhere near what their record says they are. Yeah, I was expecting them to be a bottom five team this year. Yeah, same. And uh, Taylor Heineke, I know we're Seahawk focused here, but I've been so impressed with the way he's played. I don't know if he's lost a game since he started playing, uh, which is... I don't think he has. Uh, Well, technically they tied yesterday, so... I guess that's not a win, but mm-hmm. yeah, they haven't lost. Let me double check that. Um, but yeah, they've really stormed into the playoff picture all of a sudden. And uh, I guess, did, did he play against the Vikings? I think he did. I cannot remember, but anyway, uh, yeah, just uh, who's overall like left in the mix of the NFC teams is just really surprising to me. The Giants, I... They're still hanging on. They're still hanging around, which is really surprising to me just because. I think that says more about the commanders than it says anything good about the Giants, though, because the commanders had a chance to put them away at the end of that game, too, and just kind of blew it. Mm -hmm. And then they just traded punts and boringness into a tie, which actually just to kind of jump ahead to the like outlook of the playoffs that yeah. tie was the worst possible outcome <laughs> for the Seahawks standpoint because we want one of those teams to go away and my money's on the Giants to fall apart and just not be in the playoffs at the end of the year because of the remaining schedule mm-hmm. which I'll pull up here in just a second um, they don't have an easy game left on the schedule at all so it's kind of a weird situation the commanders that who they just tied with they're on their bye um, this next Sunday they have to, the Giants have to play Philadelphia Eagles. They play at home, but I think the Eagles are going to beat the shit out of them. The Eagles are a much more sound team. They're still trying to lock up the number one seed and their division, so they have a lot to play for. I think the Eagles take that, and then oddly enough, the Commanders, so they have to play the Giants two games in a row because they played them this last weekend they're that's on, weird the way they set their schedule isn't up. That weird? i'd be kind of pissed if i was them i've never seen that happen yeah but um the commanders the next time they play the giants in two weeks from now they play <clears throat> in washington so i like the odds for the commanders to win that game mm-hmm. um that would give the giants two more losses put them at seven six and one and then they finish off their season at minnesota home against indianapolis and at philadelphia philly could be resting starters at that point the colts suck so let's give the giants two more wins that gets that brings them to nine seven and one at the end of the year what's really unfortunate is if we went nine and eight our tiebreaker over the giants doesn't even matter because they have that stupid tie this is why we need to get rid of ties it rewards teams for not winning essentially like yeah it for all intents and purposes, it basically just gives both teams a win over us in the standings because of there's no possibility for us to end with the same record unless we also tie. 
Or at the very least, I feel like they could <clears throat> just make the overtime quarter 15 minutes. That's Why does it need to be 10 minutes? It always used to be 15. They made it 10 like two or three years ago, I think. Yeah. I, and I don't know why. I think they were like, oh, player safety or something. Well, but I, I just feel like it it just warrants a higher like probability of a tie. Yeah. It I mean, it, absolutely it's not my does. feelings. It just does mathematically because you have less time to score. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, I can't quickly pull up the data of that, but I want to say there's been observably more ties per season since they made that change. I remember, I, well, you know, there's like, been one every season. I feel like, yeah, I'm pretty sure the first like 10 years I watched football, there was maybe two ties at the most. Mm-hmm. I think only one. Cause for the first couple of years I was watching football, I was like, why is there a third zero in everyone's win loss column? Like, what what is those that? never come into play yeah so. <laughs> um but anyways uh god i i hate ties but i think the giants are gonna fall off um the commanders they play the 49ers um in two weeks from now so they have their bye week then they play the giants then they play the 49ers i think they could give the 49ers a tough time because you got brock purdy is now the yeah they don't have quarterback. a quarterback anymore um, the commanders, if nothing else, have a good front seven. So it, I mean, Taylor Heineke is going to have a hell of a time trying to do anything against the 49ers defense. I mean, look what they just did to Tua, who's been having an MVP season in that crazy offense they got going over there. Yeah, I didn't really, but I mean, the Niners soundly won that game, but the way I looked at that game, you had Kyle, Kyle Shanahan playing his former assistant of his entire tenure oh. in the NFL. So I'm not that surprised that the Niners had their way with the Dolphins, given that Mike McDaniel was a prodigy of Kyle Shanahan. For I totally forgot that was the situation. Yeah. That makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah. Um, so, I, and uh, to add on to the, the Niner commanders game, it's, I don't know. I just, uh, I, th- I think Jimmy G as mediocre of, uh, game as he has put forth throughout this year i i think the niners really like him in the locker room and i think that he's going to be a big loss for them i agree i do unfortunately think the 49ers defense is good enough to where they could that defense is good enough to win the super bowl this year i think mm-hmm. um but it's hard to win in this league without a quarterback. That is for sure. And Jimmy G is much as low as I am on him. He's been having his best season statistically this year. You know, he has completed 67% of his passes, 16 touchdowns, only four picks. Um, that's efficient winning football. And it's a lot better than any of the other QBs on the roster have played. Isn't it funny? He's having his one of his best seasons ever when, while simultaneously stepping out of the back of the end zone and get, taking a safety, <laughs> making one of the most boneheaded quarterback plays. Yeah, he's in, in Dan Orlovsky territory there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 49ers team this year is really interesting because they don't have a rusher over 500 yards, and here we are in week 13. They traded who the guy who was their starting running back and you know really sold the farm for Christian McCaffrey. Who I mean, he's like he's doing good, but. I, I, it's just a weird situation because I feel like they're really in win it all now, worry about the future later territory. This which season. is very strange because they have a young quarterback that they're yeah. trying to you know mentor and bring up and become their franchise quarterback. But 
it's like they don't want to commit to that or something. It's also weird because they have an offensive genius head coach, mm-hmm. but their defense is the thing that makes them so formidable. I mean, it's it's basically been that situation since 2019, but this year that front seven looks as good as any I've seen in the past five years. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be a really tough outing, but... Um, Man, it would be amazing if they could drop one of these games against the Buccaneers or the Commanders or even the Raiders. The Raiders suddenly look like a good team. So I was saying all along, I I know we didn't want to talk about the Raiders game, but I thought we were going to lose that game going into it just because it seemed like a trap game to me. Mm. You had the Ra- yeah, it. I feel like the Raiders roster is the perfect formula to beat our team, a team of veterans that if they're on their game that day, they're going to be clicking on all cylinders and we're a young team we didn't really know how to deal with josh jacobs no we did not over us so (laughs) no we did not uh man there's a lot i could say about that raiders game but i i think it was just one too many defensive lapses for gino to make up for and coming out of that game the only narrative in a negative light that was still being put on uh, Gino was that he's not a closer. He's not a, he can't pull a game winning drive out, which we just saw that this weekend. Yes. I think Gino saved the season yesterday against the Los Angeles Rams. For some reason, I still want to call them the St. Louis Rams. I don't know why. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Gino had no running game. Kenneth Walker gets injured. DJ Dallas gets injured. Travis Homer is out. Obviously Rashad Penny's on IR. Who's Tony Jones? Tony Jones Jr. He, I liked, I liked the toughness from him that I saw. He also got hit so hard it knocked his contact lens out, and he played the rest of the game blind. Yeah, and isn't that insane? Not to mention <laughs> that bullshit interception that Bobby Wagner had. Oh. Rams rush four. Smith under heat to the sideline. Jones oh. and Wagner almost got there, and the ball ends up in Bobby it. Wagner's hands. He took He's it. Got from it. He took it away from Tony Jones. Yeah. I love that he just kept pounding it and like didn't let it bother him because that was a bullshit play. And he didn't deserve he was his knee was down. The ball was not moving against his chest. You can't just say, oh, but he's fighting for the ball and came loose. Like, no, if the ball's not moving, then the play's dead. I swear the That's Seahawks the rule of the game. <laughs> have been on the losing end of extremely close, weird calls on the review like six times this season. We mentioned, though, that the reviews have been really weird this year. They've been overturning a lot of like calls on the field that aren't. There's not enough evidence to overturn yeah. it, but they just do anyway for some reason. I mean, reason. I think of the DK non-catch against the Raiders where they literally looked at that thing for like five or seven minutes in the mm-hmm. replay view. Like, it's supposed to be clear and obvious to overturn a call. That means a quick review, right? I mean, Yeah, in and I, I personally... I personally didn't think DK's catch was a catch, but at the same time, you can't take 10 minutes to look at that. and Because that that is... Like you said during the game, that was giving their defense like so much extra time to rest. That's what was making me more bad. Because like, if you want to overturn it, overturn it. Whatever, just like don't take that long to do it. And also the bullshit Josh Jacobs fumble that they said after the fact that his forward progress was stopped. What? They they didn't blow the whistle. Like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, that's a lame excuse and unacceptable. And that's honestly. 
not, not the rules of the game. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the refs have been dog shit this year, but I don't want to spend too much time talking about them because then this would be a three hour podcast. Yeah. Um, Geno Smith has pl- had a over 100 quarterback rating in each of the last six games. That's six in a row, which ties the franchise record. And not to mention the the game he didn't have a hundred quarterback rating in was the Arizona game that we still won, and then three games prior to that, one thirty nine point seven, one thirty two point six, ninety nine point one. Yeah, there's been one game where he deservingly so has earned the low quarterback rating, and that was the game against San Fran in Week Two. And he still completed eighty percent of his throws in that game. Yeah. So I mean. Gino to me like this the the jury is out you know he is legitimately a top five top top six quarterback in the season in the year this season I think we should commit to him long term um it's gonna cost a lot more than I think people are realizing <laughs> at this point I, think I heard 30 million I I would be shocked if he took anything less than 30 million a year um and uh, yeah, he finally got the game-winning drive that we've been waiting for out of him since when he started his Seahawks playing career against the Rams last season when Wilson broke his thumb. Well, and go back to that game against Atlanta earlier in the year. That was when I watched Geno play that game, and I saw that you know he threw the interception uh, during the game-winning drive. That was that was the first sign for me where I was like, ooh. Can Gino do this? Can he finish games? Can he be that guy mm-hmm. that can go down, drive you down the field, and win you a game in the final two minutes of the game? And I was like, I don't know if he is. I we haven't seen that yet, and that's why this the yesterday's game was such a sigh of relief because we finally got to see. Okay, we know he can do this. We've seen him check all the boxes. You know, deep bomb accuracy, all these things we have never seen him do. He's doing them, and he just did that. So. I wasn't too down on him after that game because he did bring us to like the six yard line and then Rashad Penny's big run got hold back from a pretty ticky tack holding penalty. And then I think we got sacked. So it was basically like after that sack, I was like, we lost. Um, But it it was the one thing you could point to Gino that and say that he hasn't done because that was correct. Um, But he did it. And man, I mean, if we had a lesser quarterback, we would have walked out of L.A. with a loss. And basically three losses in a row, the season would have looked pretty grim at that point, especially when you consider the Rams were 32nd in the NFL in rushing offense. They had no Matt Stafford. Two of their five offensive linemen were out. They're on their, you know, running back. They were thinking about cutting earlier this season. No Cooper Cup. No Allen Robinson. Like, I can go on. They are a depleted practice squad level team right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the stats don't look horrible against uh, uh, Wolford, but the run defense is just flat out bad. And I, I want to pull up a play here that illustrates why the run defense has been so bad. We keep lining up with two down linemen. This is called a two-man front, and mm-hmm. I don't know why we're doing this because... Just look at this right here. This is a giant gap immediately created by this front. Cam Akers just takes the handoff and runs right up into that gap, and it's immediately the easiest run of his career. And we do this over and over again when we have these two-man fronts because it's obvious pre-snap where the hole is going to be because we just create that much more... 
that much more space. What, what, what is that um, scheme called then? The two man front. It's it's a so part we're just of, not running the three four anymore then, or what? So it's a component of the free three four because we have four linebackers on the field. We got Bruce Irvin. Technically, mm-hmm. in this defense, he's a linebacker. Uh, Cody Barton, Jordan Brooks, and then Nuosu, who is also technically a linebacker in this scheme. But it's a nickel formation. So we have, um, let's see, uh, six defensive backs on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, actually seven defensive backs on the field. And we do this in obvious passing situations because, you know, there's more defensive backs to cover. Right. But, you know, on first and 10 neutral downs, any decent quarterback is going to check to a run because why not? There's like, think of just the amount of pounds per human on the offensive line versus the amount of pounds on the defensive line, they're going to get their ass kicked. So this, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been really hard on some of the players on our defense. I think Bruce Irvin had his worst game this season uh, against yeah, the Rams. He didn't he, look great. Uh, Nuosu had a couple of bright spots, and I, I just don't think our defensive interior line is that talented beyond um, Shelby Harris. But this is a thing you point to and you're like, what the hell, coaches? Why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, this has been a problem, not just this game. It was a problem early in the season when our defense was terrible. It was a problem against the Bucks. It was a problem against the Raiders last week. Um, so uh, our defensive issues, they're coaching and player issues. But the thing that is frustrating more than the players, because, yeah, I'm not expecting a guy like Puna Ford to suddenly turn into Aaron Donald at this stage in his career. He is what he is. But we had a streak where we kind of went back to more four down linemen fronts against the Cardinals, against, um, I can't remember all the games that we played. Uh, Yeah, the Chargers, the Giants, the Cardinals twice. Um, When we were running those kind of defensive fronts, the defense literally was number one in the league for four weeks um, in terms of DVOA, mm-hmm. but we're 31 or 32 in all other games. So that amount of variability, literally worst to first, isn't normal. That's that's just bad fucking coaching. <laughs> in yeah, my that, opinion. that seems like like being neglectful. Yeah, it and just it, it seems like we're trying to coach the team we wish we had and not the team that we do have. Mm-hmm. with that kind of stuff like if you want to run two-man fronts then you need like two like all pro caliber defensive linemen in the interior or just two huge guys that are going to be able to yeah uh, plug up those i mean holes. puna ford's big but isn't he only like 510 yeah and he's i mean he's like very stout but like 300 pounds as opposed to someone like like brian monet he's 360 pounds yeah. So if we're running a two man front with like Al Woods and Brian Monet, I guess that kind of makes sense. But I don't know. I just think it's a stupid idea unless, you know, the opponent is down by 30 and it's second and 20. Yeah. And they're obviously not going to run. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what to make of this defense because they've shown us a few weeks where they were great. They've shown us many weeks where they were very far from great. In fact, they were like CFL level bad. Mm-hmm. So man, if they could just find, I would take an average performance over what we've got um, high end or low end. Cause this offense is good enough to seriously make a run in the playoffs. I mean, points per game. We're top five. I think we're number two in the NFC behind either the Eagles or the Cowboys. We're scoring touchdowns. We have one of the best quarterbacks. Um, the run game has been a problem, but 
I just read a report today that Rashad Penny may be able to come back in time for the playoffs. Oh, wow. And uh, Kenneth Walker is not going to miss more than a game from the last report I saw. So if we get those two guys back. This offense is as potent as any in the league right now. Um, but, man, that's... To segue into the the next thing I was going to talk about, I still feel like you know this season is fun, but it's all about next year because we're going to get a top three pick from Denver. Yeah, well, you <clears throat> you look at the teams in front of Denver right now. You got the Houston Texans; they're obviously clear cut runaway for the number one pick, yeah. and then you've got the uh, the Chicago Bears. They're they're just they're bad, but Justin Fields has really surprised me. I was wrong. I thought I was he, wrong about him. Every too. time I looked at his face, he looked like he was about to blame everyone on his team and throw everyone under the bus because he just looked like he didn't want to be there. But he, I guess, is just one of those guys that doesn't show emotion in the game, and that maybe that's what it is. And his I, athleticism is, I think, tops at the quarterback position right now. In that's including Lamar Jackson. He looks like a better run. I mean, he has almost a thousand yards rushing already. Yeah, I just I didn't think he was that good of a runner. I mean, I thought he was good, but I didn't think he was this he good. He looked really good in college, and I loved his deep ball in college, but he didn't run that much last season. I th- I read somewhere that the Bears this year have uh, switched more to the uh, type of offense that they run in Baltimore mm-hmm. to use make more use of Fields' athleticism. But I actually think he's really developing as a passer as well. They just they need to get some more consistency on that team, and they need to get him some weapons. Well. And that's what brings me to this point. So if you think about it, the Texans probably going to take a quarterback, I would guess, mm-hmm. or, or I mean, quarterback or defense is what I'm thinking. They will take with that number one pick that CJ Stroud is a Houston Texan. It's just not on paper yet. And then with the second pick, this is just my prediction for how the draft is going to go. You'll, it'll probably have the bears because I think the bears are worse than the Rams. And, I would need to probably look at the uh, the remaining schedule for so the two. Here's here's the deal that is a little get, bit getting lost in the shuffle here. So the Bears are on a bye this week. Um, if the Broncos lose their next game, which I just don't think they're going to win another game. They have the Chiefs twice. They have the Chargers. I mean, just fuck, Chiefs like, twice, Chargers, Cardinals. Yeah. They, oh, and Rams. I don't really know that that's going to matter too much either way, but... Um, Chicago's so strength of schedule becomes a tiebreaker Mm -hmm. um, for draft order. And the Chicago bears have faced a harder schedule um, than the Broncos. And since the Broncos have had an easier schedule and lost as many games, they would therefore leapfrog the bears once they get to their 10th pick. That makes sense. So I actually think it's more likely that a team like either the Rams or the Panthers ends up, um, in the number two slot than the Bears, just because I think with the way Fields is playing, there's a chance the Bears get to four wins. Um, but all this to say, like a top five pick is all but assured, and there's going to be teams picking in that area. Like you know, you think of the New Orleans Saints, you think of the Carolina Panthers, you think of the Colts, especially. Um, those are going to be quarterback needy teams. You know, and this is where things can get interesting too, because yeah, that would be awesome to have. <clears throat> that number one pick uh, uh, have it as of right now be a fourth overall pick. But what if we get teams coming to us trying to trade for that pick to get the quarterback, to get the quarterback do you I know. trade down? I would do it. If, if it ends up in a situation where like, let's say we get the fourth, the fourth overall pick and number one is CJ Stroud 
and then number two and three are Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, then I would be down to trade down. You think those guys are going to go ahead of Bryce Young? I do. Wow. They look. They are the only two prospects on the defensive side of the ball in this draft that look like generational type talents. I mean, Jalen Carter, like to me, he I would pick him number one overall in this draft. I think he's the best player. He just looks like he could be an Aaron Donald type. Who's player. the guy from Alabama? Will Will Anderson. Will Anderson. And he he looks excellent too. My only thing about Will Anderson is so he would be another uh like outside linebacker in our defense. And he's only two hundred forty something pounds. Mm. He could bulk up, but um he's just kind of small. But he is absolutely freakishly good at rushing the passer so i would be ecstatic if if we drafted him on draft night um those are my top two guys because those are our biggest needs on defense mm-hmm. um, Where, where's jalen carter out of georgia yeah yeah he's number 88 but a defensive lineman which is stupid but <laughs> he's he's fantastic he's he's my number one guy in this draft but um yeah, so we just I just saw this morning that Florida's quarterback, um, what's his name, Anthony Richardson, he's declaring for the draft, and he hasn't statistically put up good numbers, but he's such a crazy good prospect physically. I think he's going to be a first round pick, maybe bottom of the first round. Then I've been got, uh, sorry, I've been um, researching uh, the upcoming twenty twenty three rookie draft class for fantasy purposes next year, mm-hmm. and he was like, I think he was six overall projected to like in a in a dual quarterback league like a super flex league yeah that was like what i was filtered and what i saw the predictions was was if him he going top 10. runs a 40 yard dash i think it's going to be in the four threes four fours he's he's yeah. that fast and he's like roughly the size of cam newton which is insane mm-hmm. um but there's also Will Levis. Um, I'm not super high on Will Levis, but ever since I heard he put mayonnaise in his coffee, I want nothing to do with him. Yeah, that's the hard. I can't. Pass I can't me. trust you with the Seahawks offense if I can't trust you to make me a cup of coffee. But a team like the Colts, I could see them, you know, ringing our phones if, in this situation, uh, Carter and Anderson are gone. I would totally trade down. Let's say from like four to pick like eight or ten to maybe net another second round pick or something like we we do have a lot of holes on defense i mean i think we got to rebuild a whole defensive line um i like mafe i like daryl taylor i don't think either of them look like difference makers right now so just just keep drafting edge players till one of them is awesome is is my take and then um i i do think it's time to maybe invest in a safety um jamal adams is fantastic quandre Diggs is you know solid but Diggs is about to be 30. Uh, Jamal Adams, I love him, but he's had really bad injury problems. Um, I, I think, think we so. can wait one more year, personally. I think we should just get a safety. I'm not saying high, but we need more depth at that position because we cannot be playing Josh Jones. Yeah, he's, that's fair. He's horrific. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, Cody Barton has been playing a lot better. He just got the game ceiling pick this last week. Um, but... It, if there's a guy we could upgrade at that spot, um, I'm fine keeping Barton, but there's really not a position on this roster defensively that I'm against drafting at then maybe corner. And even then, like, let's say we, we have a guy like the top corner in this draft that we could pick pair him with Tariq Woolen. I mean, I I like Trey Brown. I like Mike Jackson, but if there's a guy that's just objectively more talented than them, I'm not opposed to it. Yeah, no, me neither. And, <clears throat> well, and if you look at it that way, bringing in a top tier elite corner, we'll have that 
ghost player tbd uh and then yeah Tariq woolen kobe bryant trey brown that's a pretty stout starting four corners that kind of reminds me of like when we had uh the legion of boom when we had like walter thurmond and uh um Who's the guy that broke his Jeremy arm? Jeremy Lane. Jeremy Lane. Yeah. yeah. And those were, those guys were insane to come off the bench mm-hmm. and play nickel or something because they would have been starting on 31 other teams. They were yeah. that good. And, I mean, that's part. That's a big reason why we won the Super Bowl. So I think you can't have enough good corners and good edge rushers. Um, I think, you know, w- it, we'd be okay if we punted at safety. Um, but I'm I'm saying like fourth fifth round grab a guy that has high upside you know that's when we got Cam Chancellor that's that's when we got some other notable players but in the first round I honestly keep forgetting that we have two first round picks because I've just been focusing on winning this season not where our draft position right, where our right. pick is going to be but um, we're in a beautiful spot where we have two first round picks and we can take best player available at both of them we're not pigeonholed and being like oh we need to take a quarterback i mean we still drew Locke's going to be a free agent after this year but i'm fine re-signing him to a super cheap like three-year deal to be mm-hmm. either the backup or the developmental guy however they view him um i is at this point i just trust pete and john with the qb position they have gotten it right even going back to tavares jackson he played pretty decently for us so um i will never i'm not I'm just throwing my questions out the window i'm not allowed to question their moves anymore after this offseason because i wanted them both out of here yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna question their two-man front alignments but not uh not their draft picks um at least for quarterback <laughs> um, but another thing we could do especially at like if if we end up picking at like 20 with our pick um i'm totally down with picking a like talent upside type receiver that's maybe a little more raw because Wide receiver three is a position in our team that, I mean, Goodwin is like a good good guy at that spot, but if we could get someone that's like close to as good as Tyler and DK as our third receiver, plus the tight end trio that we have, like that just makes our offense that more dangerous. What and happened to D. Eskridge? Is he just is... He broke his hand, so I think he's done for the year. And dude, like, just look at his numbers. They're honestly embarrassing. He's for- He doesn't... Uh- he doesn't really seem like professional talent level. Dude, and he's older than DK. Yeah. Like he's That's... not a he's not a young player. <laughs> um it's it's unfortunate. That was a huge whiff. But on that note, um another option we could do at 20 is center or guard, because I think those are two positions we really need to upgrade. Um Blythe is decent at pass blocking and I know he's a smart guy, but he just gets manhandled in the run game and you've really seen it. The last couple of weeks, I'm dreading what he's going to look like against the 49ers in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, uh, we're running short on time here, but let's talk about this upcoming game this weekend against the Panthers before we sign off. I'm going to be at the game. Um, I bought the tickets purely because I thought it was going to be an easy win. But with the <laughs> run game, they've been displaying with Donta Foreman and the fact that Sam Darnold didn't look that bad. I think this could end up being a close game. Um, I could see this being quite an annoying one if our defense can't get off the field. What's your prediction for this game? Um, I don't think it's going to be close, personally. You don't think, think it's going to be close? No, I think we're going to blow them out. Um, I, I th- definitely go for that. <clears throat> I think we're going to sell out to stop the run, and we're going to make Sam Darnold beat us. 
and he's not. And That's what we should do. That is definitely what we should do. I don't. Let me do a quick uh, check on their defense because I know Brian Burns is a good pass rusher. Uh, okay, so their defense has been like pretty middle of the pack, but yeah. not bad. Um, their offense has been atrocious. Oh God, Ben! McAdoo. We are going to destroy them. Come on! <laughs> I didn't realize he was their offensive coordinator. <laughs> you know, he's the last guy before us that started Geno Smith. Oddly enough, Ben McAdoo. Remember when he benched Eli for Geno in like twenty? That was for Geno. I thought it was for someone else. No, it was for Geno. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I I didn't realize that. Uh, Panthers coming off a bye. They just cut Baker Mayfield today. They did? Is, yeah, they released him. Wow. Apparently it was per his request, but like, dude, if you can't beat out Sam Darnold and PJ Walker, I don't really think you have much of a place as starter in the NFL. He should have just never been the number one pick. He was not. That's what I thought when they took him, because like yeah. he's got a big arm, but he's always had an attitude problem and he's like barely over six foot. He's not a big guy. So yeah. it just seemed odd to me, but yeah, it's looking like the end of Baker Mayfield's relevance in the NFL. And, um, I do really like our odds to get a few picks against the Panthers this week. So, um, I think Gino and the offense, even if the running game doesn't show up, like we're going to get the job done. I see a 27 to 17 kind of win. That's that's my prediction for the game. But I could see it being like 20 to 17 in the fourth quarter and we're all pissed off that it's as close as it is. The only way I think it comes to that is <clears throat> if we can't get the run game going, which I would not be surprised because of all these injuries. With I know. Our players. I don't know who I mean. We might have to pull up Alex Collins off the couch or something like and that. And I'm really game. like I know he had his fumbling issues this year in Denver, but I'm bummed we didn't at least consider Melvin Gordon. Well, they that, might be considering him now. Well, he's on the Chiefs now. Oh, that's right. Well, didn't they claim him off waivers or something? No, they signed him. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, I guess we just weren't interested in him at that time. Probably because of the fumbling issues. You know Pete Carroll's not going to yeah. not gonna let that fly. Well, that was, that was Alex Collins. That was his issue, too. He couldn't hold on to the ball. He's had a strange career because he's stuck around a long time, and he randomly had like a almost one thousand yard season with the Ravens. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I had him that year in my on my fantasy team. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I expect a move or two um, at the running back position this week. There's a chance Kenneth Walker suits up. Um, I think if Walker plays, it's a comfortable win um i think if he doesn't play it could get a little dicey but i i don't see us losing to this game especially since we're all aware we're in the playoff hunt we're at home crowd's gonna be loud panthers are just objectively a bad team this year it should be a a relatively easy win Mm -hmm. i agree um before we sign off uh just quick little i know it's the off season for the mlb but there's been a couple transactions that the M's have made. Um, Friday, uh, they traded Jesse Winker. We didn't think <laughs> we didn't think that was going to happen, or at least I I can't really even remember what my prediction was. I might have said that he was going to get traded, but I didn't want him to, or something along those lines. That's kind of how I remember it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, he's gone now. Uh, and we got a uh, second baseman Colton Wong out of the deal from the Brewers. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping they made that deal so they can sign a free agent. But we'll have to just wait and see. Uh, I saw something. Uh, Depito's the, the head uh, coach, right? Depoto's the Depoto, GM. Yeah, I I heard 
Uh, I read something that he said they're not making to make a splat, looking to make a splash move, which bothered me. Which, but. That bothers me too. Um, I think he might just be lying. Yeah, they um, do that all the time. <laughs> but but then again, like <clears throat> Justin Verlander this morning signed with the Mets, and I was bummed because that would have been perfect to take the Astros ace and put him on our team. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and he signed a two-year deal. Why couldn't we have done that? I. I don't That's, know, and I mean, we're a team window, looking... Two years is like our window. Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> I think they need a hitter, a big bat, more than, than a pitcher, personally. But I, That's subjectively true, but, God, if we had another dominant ace, we would have the best starting five rotation, like, in, I don't know, the past decade. Yeah, I mean, that <laughs> definitely wouldn't hurt things, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, one last thing I want to throw out there before we sign off. DK once again made Jalen Ramsey his bitch and caught the game-winning touchdown one-on-one over him. So shout-out to DK. Uh, goodbye, Jalen. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey, is he's really fallen off this year. I still think he's an elite corner, but, um, yeah, he has not been as good this year. I love making him mad, though, and DK has... He, those two really hate each other. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what started that, but, man, is it fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. For sure. So, anyways, that's that's all I got for this one. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, next week, next episode, it might be a, an actual show. Like you might get to see Ryan and I and me pull up graphics to go along with the things we're saying. It could, it could be fun. Who knows? Yeah. M- maybe not next week though. We're still trying to work everything out. We may have a little bit of a lull here in in production, trying to get that figured out. But yes, that is on the horizon. Yes, yes. Alrighty. Well, we have been the JR Takes Sportscast again. Signing out. Catch you on the next one.